this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Well, we made it, y'all. We made it through a 14-day fast as a church, and I just want to say thank you to everyone who participated. I was tallying up the names before service this morning, and so many of you did more than one day, but it was 42 people total fasted, or at least let us know that they were fasting with us, which so far exceeded my expectations. I was so grateful to everyone who participated. This, this was sort of a unique idea, organizing it the way that we did, and so I just had no idea what to expect. But you all came through. I'm super proud about that, and uh, I hope that you did it for you, though, more than just because I asked you to. I hope uh, for many of you, it, it was the first time you fasted, and I hope that it's something that you will continue to build into your, your spiritual growth and your walk with Jesus. I cannot tell you how much growth I have seen in so many of you all over the past couple of weeks. I feel like there is this deepening of discipleship happening right now like I've never seen before. And can I just encourage you, if you're not in a small group, just create one. Right, Start meeting with somebody, have coffee with somebody, be intentional with your conversation, talk about spiritual growth, talk about the sermon from the weekend. We have literally questions you can ask each other. Sit across from each other at a table with coffee and just talk to someone about what you're learning and growing in right now. I cannot tell you how much it has meant to me to have those conversations with you all right now. The questions you, you all have been asking are deeper lately. They're scratching at something. That the thoughts you are thinking are deeper. And I don't know if it's because of this fast, probably, honestly, a lot because of the fast. But I think it's the season that we're in. Now, I can't help but be grateful for this season that we're in. Yes, 2020. Yes, this season. Um, I can't tell you. I'm grateful. God is doing amazing things right now in us as a church, and I, I really am grateful. I know it sounds crazy, but I know a lot of the, the spiritual growth from fasting also comes after, so I just want to encourage you if, you. if you fasted over the past two weeks and you haven't felt that growth yet, and you're kind of wondering, like, well, why did I torture myself? <laughs> what, what, what's going to come from this, God? Let me just encourage you. It does come. Continue to look for it. Right? It doesn't, for me, that growth almost never happens on the day that I'm fasting, right? I'm in, I'm in like survival mode on that day. I don't, don't hear anything. I just need to get through it, right? But afterward, the fruit always comes. So continue to look for that fruit. We are continuing in Philippians today. Now, I have I really tried this week to examine other letters from Paul, to, to look at other places. I tried to venture into other books of the Bible to see what else can I get from this, but God just kept pulling me back to Philippians. And again, if, if you haven't read Philippians throughout the series yet, uh, I would encourage you to do so. It's just four small chapters, uh, but it is so rich and so on point for what we've been going over in this fierce series. I have been really analyzing Paul's state of mind, really trying to see the words that he uses, the attitude that he has. He's, mind, he's sitting in prison while he's writing the book of Philippians. 
sitting in prison, writing to the church of Philippi, still doing what he can to serve the body of Christ and, and the churches that he's planted. Not, so I'm looking at not just what he's writing, but how he's writing it, the attitude with which he's writing it, and also how he maintains that attitude, even while sitting in prison, while suffering because he preached the gospel. And so that's what we're looking at today. As we read through this uh, particular passage from Philippians 2, starting in verse 3, look for the how, how he is doing what he's doing, the things that he's focusing on. Okay, so let's start reading in verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Can you imagine the perspective that that's coming from? He's, he's writing to a church sitting on their couches at home. Like he's probably picturing them very happy and healthy when he's sitting in prison. Don't be selfish. It just hits different a little when you understand the perspective, right? Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I don't know if this hit you as strongly this morning as it hit me throughout this week. I felt like every sentence was another just wave of emotion and revelation from God. But I just want to pull out a couple of these things as we, I'm sort of summing up fierce today. We have a, a guest with us next week. Uh, Pastor Jay is going to preach after that, and it's all going to be on this theme. But I'm sort of summing up fierce and really what it's meant to me today. And I found that all throughout this passage. So first of all, he said, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Be humble. See, I think this is what fierce is all about. This is the basis anyway, the underlying principle of what this series has been all about. We talked about it from the very first week. It's, It's being fierce with yourself. With yourself. Not with the world. Right? I'm not asking you to go out there and be harsh with people. In fact, I'm asking you to do the opposite. Be humble. Be fierce with yourself, with your arrogance, with your pride. Not beating yourself up. That's not what I'm talking about. Not critiquing yourself and everything you could have done better and looking at the past and beating yourself up. With your selfishness. Be fierce with your own 
selfishness, not the world, yourself. Don't look at everybody else judging everybody else, wagging your finger at everybody else and what they could be doing or not doing. How they're listening to God or not listening to God, but with yourself, your own selfishness, your own desires. We are at war with our own selfish nature and we have to be fierce with it. I looked up the Urban Dictionary definition of fierce this week because I, I believe culture has sort of trained us to believe that fierce is harsh or mean. And I found a definition, but what really struck me was I also found a, a definition for the opposite on that page. There is something called faux fierce. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know this was a term. But faux fierce's definition was actually more interesting to me. A fake, phony, outward imitation of being fierce or living fiercely. A fake, phony, outward imitation of being fierce. I think this faux fierce term actually more accurately describes some of us as Christians. We think we know something because we heard it once or twice in a sermon. Right? We, we think we know what the Bible's all about because we've heard somebody else say it, not because we've actually cracked the Bible for ourselves. We've never fasted on our own. We, we don't spend any amount of time in daily prayer for others. We, we don't ask God what he wants for our day. We, we don't tithe. We're not actually fierce with ourselves at all. We just think we know a thing or two show up at church and we hear somebody else talk about it. But what do we actually have if we're not doing any of that, if we're not actually being obedient to the word? We're just building this phony faith, a faith that's all about ourselves. It's just a get spiritual quick scheme. It seems so gross to think about it that way. And we don't want the obedience part of the faith equation. Remember, from the very first week, we talked about what faith actually is. It's kind of an equation. This plus this equals faith. It's action plus attitude. Obedience plus belief. You can't have one or the other. It's both equals faith. And we want to say, but surely belief is enough, right? That's, that's faith. Surely I can just believe that it's true. That means I have faith, right? Mm, no. Actually, it doesn't. You must have both. If we truly believed in God, it would naturally work itself out in obedience. If, if we truly like what Jesus was all about. You know, I hear Christians sometimes say things like, you know, I, I like Jesus. I just don't like his followers. Right? Or, or I believe in God. It's the Christians that are, you know, whatever. <laughs> judgmental, jerks, hypocritical. <clears throat> I don't mind God. It's his people. But if you really, truly believed in the teachings of Jesus, if you really studied his life, tried to figure out what he's all about, then you, you would know that he loved those hypocritical, selfish, religious, arrogant people. Deeply loved them. And he loves you too. Each and every one of us, as hypocritical as we are, judgmental as we 
are. He loves us too. Paul is saying to think of others as better than yourself. Because arrogance and pride are the the silent killers of faith-growing, Jesus-following, actually challenging and changing discipleship. Arrogance and pride will kill it every time. You'll never grow in your faith if you think you're the best at everything. (laughs) If you think you know it all, you've conquered it all. We must constantly maintain an attitude of learning in this faith, a teachable heart. The second you look at other people, they're young, they know less than me, right? Or or they're a different race, a different uh, people group, so I'm I can't learn anything from them, or, you know, they've, they grew up differently than I did. <laughs> a teachable heart. We can always be learning and growing. In fact, I hope, I didn't tell you who our guest actually is next week. It's Jeremiah Stoddard, a young guy, grew up here. His brother still comes here. His, his dad was on staff here a few years ago now. He grew up here. And he's now a missionary with Mission SOS, and he's coming. And I hope you will open your hearts to hear from him, to be inspired by that Mission SOS fierce culture. A teachable heart. We have to maintain it. Have to maintain it. It's it's why Timothy says, don't let anyone, sorry, to Timothy, Paul said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But be an example to the other believers. We as other believers, as older believers, I don't know if I can say we yet, but as an older believer, as one who's been a believer for a while, I can't look down on the younger generation. I have to listen, be teachable, empower them to be an example. I have to think of others as better than ourselves. And I, (laughs) it amazes me how Jesus did this. I kept thinking about his life here on earth. He he is fully God and fully man. And yet he modeled this for us better than anyone. The passage goes on to say, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Equality with God. I've been thinking about that particular phrase, those three words for days. Equality with God. I can't stop thinking about this concept because at first I'm thinking, why would Jesus lower himself like that? Why would he lower himself from a, a perfect realm, heaven, it was perfect? He had everything he needed. He had power. He had authority. He had the presence of God. Why would he lower himself like that for us, beings that are lower, that that betrayed God's love eons ago. Why why would he lower himself like that? And then I'm thinking, isn't this pride? Isn't this very concept what pride is, is made of? Like, shouldn't the definition of pride actually be striving to be equals with God? Like, we think so highly of ourselves. And we actually think we know better than God. Like, we know what the word says, but nah, I think I'm going to do my own thing. I think I'm better off not doing what God says. Like, we actually think we know more than the creator of, of heaven and earth. And 
Herein somewhere lies the deeper concept of surrender, too, that we talked about last week. It's really the backbone of surrender. The ultimate understanding that we will never be equal to God. That our decisions could never measure up to the eternal wisdom of our Heavenly Father. And so why not trust him with everything? completely and totally trust him with everything. Isn't that the ultimate humility? Understanding who God the Father actually is, the creator of of heaven and earth, that he is eternal, that he cannot be threatened by anything or anyone. Understanding who he is and understanding who we are, that we are his children, that our inheritance is him Right, that, that we have that authority and power living within us if, if we've accepted Jesus into our lives, that that's who we are in him. True humility is understanding who God is and who we are in him. It's not just thinking less of yourself, but truly understanding your place in all of that, that equality with God is not something to cling to. The only one who could cling to it laid it down. We can completely trust God with everything. But then it got even deeper for me when I thought about Jesus laying it down and and the pride element of this, right? That that when pride rises up in me, I'm grasping at equality with God. I want to make my own decisions. I want to be responsible for my own things. I think I know better. Isn't that where evil started? Satan himself rebelled against God, clawing at something he thought he was equal to, clawing at some kind of right he thought he had to be equal with God. It's actually, pride is actually the basis for all selfishness, all selfishness in the universe. It started with trying to be equal to God. And so to reverse that action and everything that came after it, the only thing that would have reversed that action and everything that came after it was God himself actually doing the opposite. Satan was clawing at equality with God, and Jesus, who had equality with God, gave it up. The only thing that could reverse it. The perfect God answer to reverse sin and selfishness in this world. Jesus came, lowering himself out of equality with God and becoming man. (laughs) Becoming God's perfect sacrifice for us. I mean, can you imagine how much that blew the devil's mind? (laughs) Here he is trying so hard to be God. And here comes Jesus, (laughs) lowering himself from the position Satan so desperately wants it's really no wonder he didn't see it coming. (laughs) He could not fathom love, sacrificial, reckless love like that, that put itself on a cross willingly. Couldn't fathom it. Evil cannot fathom selflessness like that. Jesus did that. Lowered himself for me, for you knowing that we are rebellious, sinful, selfish creatures. He did that for us. And 
even knowing that, I, I still sometimes have the audacity to step around all the time, to, to, to think that I know better, to claw at that equality with God. It's, it's so prideful and gross to me now. Jesus laid down everything. Why do I feel like I deserve anything? I think as much as I think I understand the gospel, right? as many times as I, I have explained it now publicly or privately or worked it out in my own soul, I, I think I'm going to spend a lifetime submitting myself to truly understanding that thought that the God of heaven and earth would lower himself for me. I I cannot fathom, really, truly scratch the bottom of, of understanding that kind of love. But what if we were to actually fathom it? What if we were to understand the gospel on that level, that kind of selflessness and love that Jesus displayed? And if we were to actually understand who God is and who we are, if we actually grasped it. What would be the point? Uh, Paul goes on to explain this as well. He said, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. If my salvation is understanding that concept that, that the God of heaven and earth lowered himself, right? Truly knowing who God is and who I am in all of that, how all of that works together, that's my salvation. So work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. I, I really had to wrestle with this for a little while too because in general, I think we as Christians try not to think of works as our salvation, right? Meaning I'm, I'm constantly preaching to allow Jesus to transform you from the inside out, that you don't have to prove anything to God, right? That you don't have to earn your place in heaven, that Jesus has already given it to you as a gift. And this isn't about doing enough to get into heaven. So I struggled with, well, now you're telling me to work hard to show the results of my salvation. Isn't that backwards? But are the results of my salvation things that I can do? Are the results of my salvation church attendance? Certainly not this year. <laughs> Right? Are the results of my salvation helping the poor? Raising my hands in worship? Being able to pray in front of a group of people? Knowing all the books of the Bible? Like, what, what, what are the results that I'm grasping at here? Right? And, and once I figure that part out, who am I supposed to show? Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Okay, and here's the equation part again. Right? Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Obeying God, obedience, action, with deep reverence and fear. Attitude, belief. It's faith. That, right there in that sentence is the equation for faith, action, and attitude. Not one or the other, both. Only God can truly know our attitude, right? Truly know our hearts deep down. 
So that's who we're showing on one hand, God, with our attitude with which we do things. But people see and feel the results of our actions, and that's the other. We're showing God, and we're showing people the results of our salvation. And this is what all of fierce boils down to for me. My faith isn't just about me. It's not just about me. I I think maybe our culture, yes, even Christian culture, has been getting this wrong for a long time. We build our own faith. We learn, we grow. But at some point, that has to spill on to others. It has to spill out over onto others because my faith isn't just about me. If it is, it's not really worth all that much. Like 1 Corinthians 13 lays this out pretty clearly. If I could speak all the languages of heaven and earth, of all the angels, if I knew them all, without love, it wouldn't be worth anything, right? If I knew all the knowledge and all of heaven and earth, it would be nothing without love for people. My faith isn't just about me. When you boil it all down, I think a lot of us just want to sound spiritual. Our goal was never really to build the kingdom at all, but just to try to make our own lives better. You know, I talked to a few of you this week that had a rough 2019 We all complain about 2020, but some of us, my family included, had a pretty rough 2019. I maybe had three of these conversations this week. And all three of those conversations, we were all grateful for 2020 in weird ways. It was like we could see it differently than all the people around us. We sit by and listen to others complain and, and... You know, this year has been crazy. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) A lot of things to complain about. But we we sort of see it through a different lens, those of us who had a rough year before that. With all the craziness that this year has brought, all I can think in those conversations is, I've seen worse. I've been through worse. This year really isn't that bad. But do you know why I think I can have that level of calm about it? It's the result of my salvation from last year. Right? That is the fruit that God produced in me from a long trial and suffering in 2019. So I can look at this year through a different lens because I've been through a thing or two, because God has seen us through a thing or two. And every one of those conversations this week, that's what they said. God saw me through so much last year. This year really isn't that bad. Of course, he's going to see us through this one too. Things might change, but God never will. Of course, he's going to see us through this again. Life might beat me up, but God is going to use it to build me up. And I'm going to be at a different place next year because of this year. God is doing something in me. The the struggles of this life have made us work out our salvation with fear and trembling. All of the doubts that we experienced last year. All of the anger that was expressed toward God. 
all of the fear and the worrying. God brought us through that. He saved us. Of course, he's going to do it again. I worked out my salvation last year with fear and trembling. And maybe I went through that so that you can see the results of that salvation. Maybe it was all worth it. I can show somebody else how to walk on the waves, not get drowned by them. Those of us who have been through a thing or two, we can now help others through this season. Maybe God was preparing me for for today, for your sake, last year. He was already preparing me last year for this year for you. If that's the case, I'm grateful for it. I think the results of your salvation is a compassion for others to know the love of Jesus on a whole new level because you've known the love of Jesus. I think the results of your salvation is a burning desire for discipleship and evangelism in your world because you've actually experienced it for yourself. That is the true meaning of fierce faith. That is what Paul experienced. That is what he was trying to convey to us in this letter. Fierce faith is a compassionate heart toward others. It's a soft heart toward others, but a fierceness inwardly. That we would fiercely examine the selfishness of our own hearts so that we can love others on a whole new level. That we'd be so fierce within ourselves to our selfish nature, dying to ourselves and our fears that we'd be able to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. What are the results of your salvation? What are the results of your salvation? Is it just your life that got better when you received Jesus? Or have you been able to speak into someone else's as well? Is it just you that got free? Are you bringing somebody else along with you? Is it just you who benefits from this relationship that you have with Jesus? Or do you allow it to spill over onto the people around you? I'm just going to boldly challenge you this morning. Share the good news with someone this week, if possible. Today, share the good news with someone, not in a weird way or a pushy way or like you're forcing it just because I asked you to, not in a way that pushes others away. Pray about who you can impact. Ask God to show you who is ready to hear the good news right now, who's seeking Jesus, truth, truly. Ask God to show you and believe me when you ask him, he will show you. The Holy Spirit will whisper exactly what you need to do and say. And you have to step out in faith. Believe me, he will show you if you're asking. And then it's it's our job to die to those fears and anxieties, worries, self-doubt, to be fierce with those and to just step out in faith and do what the Holy Spirit asks you to do. That is our job. I think that's what God is doing in us this year, training us to be fierce disciples of him. 
truly, actually following his example, working hard to show the results of our salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That is my prayer today. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Thank you that you are using a letter written to another church 2,000 years ago to train and build your disciples today. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds. Thank you for bringing out new fruit in us. I believe that you are cultivating the soil of Freedom Valley right now in this season and time. You're stretching our faith in new ways so that we can bring about new fruit, new wine. Work in us, God. Not just on the outside of us, not just polishing up our appearance and our behavior, but truly allow us to let you to work in us from the inside out. Convict us, God, from the pride and the arrogance that wants to well up in us and cause us to think we're so much better than everyone else. God, help us be fierce with the pride and the arrogance. Help us truly love the people around us. Truly lay down our lives for them. Just like you did. Jesus. You didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. You lowered yourself for us. Willingly walked to that cross. Lay down your life. God, help us do that in our world. Help us preach that good news that we are free because of what you did. That nothing else on planet Earth is quite like Christianity for that reason alone. The God of heaven and earth lowered himself, willingly laid down his life so that we could be free. Today, if... if you'd like to accept that good news, maybe for the first time, or the first time in a long time. You'd like to come back to that knowledge of your Savior, that he loves you so much he laid down his life, that God is not angry with you. You're not gonna burst into flames when you walk into the doors of the church, that he wants you here, you all your flaws and mistakes and mess-ups from the past. He wants to bring you in, into his love, so he can build you up, help you be the person you were created to be without all the sin and selfishness and fears and shame. Jesus can heal all of that from the inside out. You just have to let him in. And it's so easy today, right where you are, you can accept that forgiveness and love. Change. Make today a fresh start. And all you have to do is say, God, I believe. Believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me. And I choose to live my life his way from today forward. And it really is that simple. 
really is that simple. Pray that prayer today. And if you did, let us know that you did so we can give you some resources, tools to help you. Go to fe.church slash I am in. We'd love to help you with that. Freedom Valley, if you know the good news, truly know it, understand what Jesus has done for you, it's your turn to go tell someone. That is the challenge to you today. And I know this series has been challenging. But that is the kind of life Paul lived. That's why it's included in the Bible. To understand that kind of fierce faith. To know that God is molding us into that people. We may not be far from a time where we are persecuted. Genuinely, not just on social media. We know the end of the story. We know it's going to get worse before it gets better, but that ultimately Jesus is going to come back. Fix it once and for all. Right now, it's our job, our duty, and our mission from our Heavenly Father to preach the good news, to save just one more. Set them free. Not just here on this earth and in this time, but for eternity. We can change the world for eternity by just helping one more know him. That is my prayer for us as a church right now. We could tap into that ferocity, dying to ourselves, laying down our lives for this world. Father, one more time, I ask that you would produce that kind of fruit in us. You would inspire us teach us, build us up and convict us. Holy Spirit, fall on your people right now. Do what only you do best. Show us how to be fierce with ourselves. How to truly have a heart for the people around us. Break our hearts for what breaks yours, God. Help us to be fierce disciples for you. In Jesus' name, amen. This study in Philippians, one of my favorite books, has been powerful. It's been fierce. It's been some next-level stuff. And as we close it out, I know for many of us, there's going to be a different application. We'll need to look into exactly what God is telling us. Maybe you need to read the whole book of Philippians. Maybe you need to sign up for start class. Maybe you need to serve some people in ways you've never done. Maybe there's uh, searching for the Holy Spirit. Maybe there's so many things Candace laid out for us that we can give. So what I want to do is encourage you, take that next step this week. Serve in some way. Put yourself uh, below others and others above you. Remember that God put himself in a position to serve. And I want to read this word over you as a prayer as we close. It is Jesus' words and a reminder to his disciples. You know that the rulers of this world lord it over other people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. 
Father, would the result of our salvation be a willingness to give our own life up for others? To give up our own comfort for others. Thank you for this word and these challenges in this time. You're calling us to a new level always because you love us. You want good for us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Freedom Valley, thank you so much for worshiping with us. Whenever you're watching this, don't forget that we love you and we're for you, that God loves you and he is for you. You can sign up for start class at fv.church forward slash start. Let somebody know if you made a decision for Jesus by going to fv.church forward slash I am in. We love you. Thanks so much for worshiping with us and we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.
testify to this better than anyone. So first, though, go back a little bit. Tell us about who you were before Jesus. Well, before Jesus, I was not a nice person. It might be hard to believe now, but uh, it might be hard to believe now, but uh, yeah, I wasn't a good person. Why do you think that was? Um, outside of home, I didn't feel cared for or loved. Um, I was becoming the person people were blaming me to be, which uh, wasn't good. What changed all that for you? Well, it was about uh, two, 2003 or 2004, I started coming to the school that was here. Um, and then a few months after that, I started coming to the youth group here. Uh, the people here seemed to have a genuine care and love for me and all the people that were around them and that's what softened my heart to God. Awesome. So how did you come to know Jesus? Um, I came to know Jesus through the people here. Um, they showed God's love, and I realized that, that's, that I wanted that love in me, and I wanted to show that love to others. So awesome. So what did it change for you? Well... Before I was the type of person that wouldn't help anyone, I wouldn't have even thought of volunteering. Um, and now I try and volunteer whenever I can and uh, help others as much as I'm able to give. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, he literally does that. I mean, he shows up here every week, just about, right? You're always in the background serving and helping like crazy. So you do actually do that now. So, but two and a half years ago, you had a, a life-changing experience. Tell us about that. Well, two and a half years ago, I had double pneumonia. Um, I went to the Gettysburg Hospital on a Friday and then the following Monday, they found me collapsed on the floor in my room. They airlifted me to York Hospital, did emergency surgery for the trach. Um, they weren't even, they weren't sure I was gonna make it. I was on my deathbed. God brought me back from that. 
And then every step of the way after that, I was ahead of what the doctors were saying. The doctors were saying I was going to be in the hospital for a while. I was out of the hospital and into an assisted living home in a month. Doctors were saying I would take over a year to recover. I was out of the assisted living home and uh, home a month after that. And this, this uh, was a catalyst for me to make changes. This was a catalyst to, for me to put my trust in God more than I ever have before. Um, Is that why you think God saved your life? I, I think God let me go through this to help me realize I'm not tr- I wasn't trusting Him enough. Um, Sure, I questioned God at first, but then I realized I needed to trust God and give my all to Him, and He's helped me through it. Um, It was also a catalyst for me to get healthier because my weight didn't help. Um, I'm able to do more things than I have since eighth grade. Yeah. And I'm almost 30 now. Praise God. That's so amazing. Um, So... If you could encourage the church today with something, what would you tell them? Um, Trust God. Uh, He brought me back from my deathbed. Imagine what he could do for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing your story with us today, Eric. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for being our protector, our healer, our comforter in times of trouble. Thank you that you swoop in and you fix situations better than we could have ever imagined. God, I pray for all of the people right now who are begging you for something, who are on their knees, just crying out to you. Father, be with them in those moments. Fill their room right now with the presence of the Holy Spirit, with the comforting presence of your love. Wrap your arms around them. Answer prayers in Jesus' name. You are the prayer answering God. You are listening and you are speaking. God, speak to us today, this morning. Thank you so much for being who you are. We continue to set our eyes on you for this service, God. We are listening. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hearing Eric share his story is always powerful for me because I I remember being there, praying over him in that hospital room. I remember saying goodbye, thinking this is the end of the life he's lived for Christ. And then he came back. God brought him back and he was able to start a new season and a new life. And since then, the, the... the steps he's taking towards new health, towards ministry, towards ministering to others, towards sharing his story publicly, which was not something easy for him or he would have done, but but now he is in big ways.